Uh, great to have done last week with you, Troy. I really enjoyed that. Um, and today we're going to just continue unpacking some things. But before we go into it, Vision Night, that's next week. Can you tell us, why should I go? Yeah, what? can I just impress that upon people that it's our one space we can get to touch base together. We haven't for so long now, so to actually be uh, at least in the same rectangular room would be great uh, mm. because it's going to be a Zoom meeting for one hour. Um, so touch point for us all, just heading into Christmas. A uh, couple of things that are really important I'd love us to be able to um, hear together. Firstly, Stu Conkey's finishing up his mm. children's and family mm. role after, I think it's seven years. And so we want to acknowledge that, uh, which means there's also some shifting also when it comes to some of our jobs and our roles. Mm. For you too, that includes Matt. So for people to gather to hear that, to celebrate that would be really important. Um, the other thing is that we want to launch a theme for next year. We want to talk about COVID space. And what does it mean for us to get back together again? We've sort of indicated that we don't want to be back together if we still have to wear masks, be a metre and a half apart, can't drink tea or coffee or sing. And so there's going to be some implications for next year about how we might move forward in sort of home clusters. I want to share about that. A little bit to do with the study that I look to pick up for next year. And um, it also serves as our AGM. Mm. <laughs> so for those people who are on the finance and budget do. side yeah. of things, it's an important part, technical part of, of our community as well. So that's next week, 7.30, December 6th. Yeah, so the Zoom link will be in the weekly update. People can jump on and, and uh, get involved with that. So Very looking good. forward to that. Good. Um, this topic, this voices rising up thing, um, it's sort of, we've launched last week and this week into the way of life as an aspect of how life plugs into this topic. Um, can you maybe, for, for people who it's relatively new for, just give us a quick snapshot, way of life, what is it again? And hopefully people would have received in the mail this week these cards or last week. Um, put in your wallet, put in your purse, carry around with you, brochure that goes alongside it. Uh, so really, the way of life 10 years ago, uh, we, we asked ourselves, what are some words that might describe a rhythm or pattern of life that we might get ourselves into that reflects the very nature of Jesus? In Acts chapter 19, it talks about those followers of Jesus being called people of the way. Mm. So it begs the question, which way? Mm. And we came up with four ideas, themes, that we thought you could hold each other accountable to, also um, uh, get into a rhythm and pattern of life mm. that would be uh, very much an expression of your mm. faith. That's act, share, rest, rest and immerse. immerse. Now, yeah. if someone asked me, um, you know, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? I could easily say, you know, for me, it means that I, I immerse routinely. I make Jesus the reference point in my life. Mm. When I see things of injustice, uh, uh, I decide to act mm. because one day I think that God's going to put the world to rights. He's going to expel all kinds of, of evil from it. Um, his reign will be established. And so I act when I see things of injustice. Uh, and it also means that I share my life, um, not just my life, but my, my time, my finances, my stuff, um, who I am, because it's all on loan from God. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I want to buy into redistribution and not just accumulation, because that's mm -hmm. what God's on about. And finally, in order to sustain that kind of life, I need to rest. That is, I need to have moments and times weekly where I replenish so that I can sustain that Jesus life. Mm -hmm. that, so f for me, it becomes a really handy way, not only of, as a reference point for me, mm -hmm. but of actually sharing and talking about what my faith looks mm -hmm. like. There's not really um, more things to do as such as opposed to rhythms in your life that you actually just build. Yeah, and we're hoping that people will pick this up not as another thing to do. So that's the challenge for this week, mm. Matt. What the whole thing's been building towards is saying if you just see this as another task, mm. then we've got to shift that and shift a gear out of that thinking and to say, actually, 
what would it mean for me if I actually adopted this as a way of my life? So mm. it requires some auditing. Mm. And I think the most important thing you could do over the Christmas time, um, today, start today, but in, in the coming weeks, is to do an audit and to say, what would it really look like in my mm. life if I decided to say these four themes I'm going to intentionally shape mm. myself? I think around. COVID probably has thrown open so much of our, our life priorities and it's natural for us to be sort of re-evaluating those things. Let's dive in and talk. You said you share your stuff in this sort of rhythm. What do you mean by that? And Like practically, what does that look like? Yeah, so if we dive in to share this idea of sharing all of that which I am and what I have because I believe fundamentally that it's on loan from God. So that requires a mental shift. So I think sharing firstly is about a mental shift. When Bron and I first uh, began New Community uh, 18 years ago, uh, we had baskets full of people and we said, you know what, we are going to need to actually uh, empty our baskets a little bit of our friends and connections in order to make new friends and connections. We can only sustain so much. So it was this real idea of emptying a basket, not, not dissing our friends, but rather to say, hey, we need to actually make room for others. So that affected our kitchen table, who we sat around it, our home, who we would have into it. Our holidays, we mm. invited people to come away with us on holiday. Mm. And so it was a point in our lives in which we said, if we're going to reach out with the good news of Jesus to other people, we need to intentionally make room for them. Mm. And so that impacted all of our spheres. Now, there's some boundaries in that, mm. but at the heart of it was this idea of we need to make room for others. Mm. And so we intentionally did that. Mm. I remember um, when, when I got my first paycheck, um, and so I've been graduated as a physio. I worked for uh, a fortnight or a month, I can't remember. But I, I remember going, there's this, we're both, we're both fishermen. And there was this fishing reel that I was thinking, oh man, when, when I've got enough money, I'd love to go down and grab that. And I remember putting the brakes on for a moment, thinking that, hang on, I need to actually put some aside. Because actually, um, the, it went through my mind, oh, I can start that next pay period. But it was almost like this, hang on, if I do that, I'll do that next pay period habit. If I start that, it's a really hard thing to stop. So it's almost easier to go, no, I've got to build this rhythm uh, early. Um, yeah, that was kind of an experience of mine. Yeah, I relate to that too. So a similar thing, my first pay packet and going, actually, what am I going to do with this? And so we talk about buying into generosity here, which is really about saying, if I really believe that God is the provider of all things, then it impacts my, my finances as well. So really when I give routinely, when I routinely give, and I think making it a pattern is really critical, I find it gets easier to do, but I also discover that there's other ways in which I'm trusting in God, saying you're the provider of all things. Mm. Uh, would you provide that which I really need? And this is just a way of actually breaking the, the camel's back and saying, actually money is not my God and my king. You get the first bit. Mm-hmm. And it's if, if you know, I, I want to buy into generosity because I think you're a generous God, most profoundly. And so that's a really critical part for us. You know, uh, it moves beyond finance, though. Mm. And that's something that I've sought to do in my own life, even just recently now, with the second bite uh, food that uh, Coles gives that we haven't been able to use for our um, community meals down at Croydon. Uh, we've got Anne and Harold, they've been coming on Saturday mornings now, and they line up in the baskets all of the fresh food. And the netball traffic started again. So the netball traffic comes and lines up, and we're seeing people jump out of their cars, take fresh food, take it away. 
People love free stuff. Um, we've had uh, people who are walking around in the Heathmont area come in, knock on our door, say thank you for this food, and we get to tell them a little bit about it. So that's, that's one advantage that we have. If you want to do something really special at Christmas time, go and buy a whole bunch of fresh food, put it out the front and say it's for free. And it's just a great way of... But it's a shift. Mm. It's a shift in saying what I have and who I am, I need to be open to. That's why I love this image of the cups here that mm. Lindy's put together. Mm. It's because there's this wonderful image. Someone once said that the kingdom of heaven is built over a series of wasted cups of teas and coffees. Mm. And I think this is one way in which you can most profoundly express to someone else that you've given them your time. Um, this week, I had someone from council come and look at the laneway. The, bl- uh, the, the drains have been getting blocked. And I've seen him before, and we, we got talking, and then we got talking about Christmas, and we were going for holidays, and it kind of extended past just the normal chitter-chat. Mm. And by the end of it, after having a 15, 20-minute conversation, really talking about other things, you know, the person got in their car and, and went on their way. And for me, it's making that shift in my mind that this isn't just a task I'm trying to get done, mm. that this is an engagement with the person mm. that I'm wanting to have. Mm. Um, now, that doesn't always happen, mm. and there are boundaries around it, mm. but it's this adopting this pattern of I'm going to be open to mm. share my life. And I, reckon, I, I love that story because for, for me it's often I, I organise in my mind, like there's, there's friends who when I see them I'll talk to them and other people I interact with, like somebody fixing my drain. So it's very easy for me to almost categorise that as uh, that's a task conversation rather than a people conversation. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, I love that story, it's good. Um, like you, you've got some, some passages here. Do you want to explore yeah, yeah. them? Yeah, I do. And so I, there's these two particular passages in the Bible I think are just awesome um, because they just remind us about this value of share. Go ahead and put this one up here. Mm. Um, it says, We were so devoted to you, Paul writes this, that we gladly intended to share with you not only the gospel, the good news of God, but our very lives, our own lives, because you had become so dear to us. This is Paul writing to the Thessalonians. Mm. And I love this idea of him saying, actually, you've become so special to us. We, we shared with you the good news of Jesus, but it went beyond that. We actually mm. like you. Mm. We actually want to invest in you. Mm. And so you'd become very dear to us because we'd open up our lives. And I think if we actually want to be part of partnering with God and transforming his world for good, it means we need to engage in the world with open mm. lives. There's a second one here that's a little bit more curious that uh, I think it's worth just mentioning. Is uh, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, don't forget to be hospitable. By that means, some people have entertained angels without realizing it. Mm. And so I love that idea that, that they, right. they anticipated that God would send his messages. What, that's what an angel was. Mm. Um, and that you might have actually dined and wined them and entertained them mm. uh, without even really knowing it. And mm. so there's this idea of being hospitable. Mm. And you never know who might show up on your doorstep. Mm. But that's what the way of life as far as share goes, mm. is to say, I actually want to be not just to the people who will repay me, Mm. but for the people who perhaps won't be able to. Mm. Mm. It's an others-focused thing, not about what you'll get out of it. Yep. Is it always easy, though? No. Um, I think the, the challenging part of that for anyone is to say, you know, the critical part is the business that we have. Mm. And so yesterday, I was, or the day before, it, w- it was, the remember, the, the rest day, and it was a, a shift coming into it saying, okay, um, it's not all entirely about productivity. This mm. is about replenishing. And I felt like I had a replenished time. Mm. Um, yesterday 
was productivity. Mm. I needed to get the mulch out onto the, to the lawn because it's sitting there as a huge pile and, and that kind of thing. But uh, at, at the heart of it then is making room and it's that mental shift. Mm. Wake up in the morning and say, who, God, who do you want me to meet today mm. that I'm yet to meet? Mm. Um, how can I share? Mm. That's at the heart. That's good. Um, we've been talking about share. Let's pivot and talk about ACT. This whole series that we've been doing, this Voices Rise Up thing, has, has really explored this, this idea of there's injustices in our world and, and we kind of need to act. But um, do you want to unpack that with us for what is this ACT thing? Yeah, probably um, more than anything else, ACT is about getting involved in circumstances of life. It's actually choosing not to sit on the sidelines and, and be um, a spectator, but to actually participate. And so acting has got to do with engaging in in acts of mercy and justice mm-hmm. when I see things that are out of joint or out of whack. And, and this is probably the area that I think people need to um, find their particular voice in. And we talked last week about swimming in your lane. Also knowing where, particularly with the justice issues, because they're often involved in longer-term systemic change in things. But there's also moments in which you can act um, most decisively for other people's good. So for me, uh, over the years, I've learnt what my voice might look like a little bit. Mm. Uh, the 7-Eleven. Mm. Um, some years ago, I went in and there was an Asian man who runs the store. English is not his first language. Uh, a group of young teens came in. They were causing a muck, um, taking some things. And I remember him being involved in wanting them to get them out of the shop. Now, I could either have paid for my things and left, or I actually say, you know what, this is a moment where I need to seek justice here. And so in that moment, I decided to also band with him and start to say to the guys, get out of the shop, out of it, and, and made sure that I hung around that they didn't come back afterwards. Now, that's easy for me because I've felt like over the years that I can run faster than most people. And so if someone's chasing me, I can get away. But uh, it, what it requires, though, is for us to be really careful and clear about um, what role can I play in various things. You know, there's a, a story of Jesus that we find a little bit unsettling and for a lot of people they're not particularly aware of this one it's in John chapter 2. Matthew, Mark and Luke have this story at the very end of their good news account of Jesus. Here we have it at the very beginning and it's where Jesus goes to the temple Mm -hmm. and he uh, sees the commerce taking place. They need to exchange their animals or their, their money for temple money and to buy an animal to be sacrificed. And so there was some commercialization going on. But even more than that, uh, Jesus looks at this and he calls out, you've turned, this should be a house of prayer, mm-hmm. um, but you've made the temple God's space for all the nations. It's a house of prayer, but you've turned it into, a, a, it says, a den of robbers. Now that word robbers is actually more like a brigand or a revolutionary. And if anyone wants to read uh, Josephus' wars, Jewish wars from AD 66, uh, to 70, he describes the Jewish wars, of which that temple precinct had become a hot spot for revolutionaries, wanting to breed violence, to uh, push against Rome, and to establish their own independence. And so it's that hot spot for evil and violence and darkness. And rather than being a space of welcoming for the nations, in that particular time, uh, it had become very much a, a closed-door policy for Gentiles, for people who weren't Jewish people. And so Jesus, it says, and Stu Mac reminds me of this, he sits down and he takes some cords and he weaves them into a whip. Mm. 
And he says, there we have Jesus. He, he goes around that temple precinct and he uses the whip and he turns over the tables. And in one moment, one solitary moment, he shuts down the functioning of the temple, which is like this symbolic decisive moment that in Mark's good news account, it's the turning point where even the chief priests now say, that's it. We've got to kill Jesus as well. We've got to get him out of the way because of what he's done. And so one of the things that we need to um, be mindful of there... I reckon that's a, a, a picture of Jesus that a lot of people wouldn't have. You know, like growing up, like they would think possibly Jesus, meek and mild, gentle Jesus. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think that's it. For most people, if you've come up, we're, we're pushing against two things here. One, Australian culture. Australian culture says, chill out, relax, um, don't worry, be happy. Um, don't get yourself involved in, in things of other people's business. Mm. Um, but there's sometimes that we need to. So there's something in our culture that just says, chill out, relax, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, the reality is, is to affect change, we actually have to push against the powers. Mm. And so we actually need to exert a force. Mm. Um, but in Jesus' example here, we don't see him being out of control. We don't see him stepping out and being violent per se, but there's a violent act, if you like, mm. this, this uh, righteous anger. Mm. And it's at that moment when he pushes against those powers that the powers push back at him and they say, okay, we've got to get him out of the way. Everyone falls into line here and we're going to kill him. Mm. And so that's one of the sobering things about uh, when you want to act for justice is that when you push against those powers, sometimes those powers want to push back against you. Mm, mm, mm. And so with that, we've got to be really careful and clear that when we're involved in acts of um, justice-seeking, mm. uh, that we've got to be clear about the lane we swim in mm. and how we will yeah, pitch ourselves. Because not everybody is you. And nobody, not everybody's going to run faster than anybody <laughs> away. So there's a sense of different people will have different ways of acting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, historically, we've got some examples of this. So you've got William Wilberforce. Um, he decides to swim in the land of Parliament. And over a series, a number of years, he really petitions uh, for the abolishment of slavery in England. And uh, he does that over, over many years. So it's something he's picked up, he feels this injustice, and he keeps going after it. Um, you've got two other characters. So you've got uh, Martin Luther King, and he's working for the civil rights movement in the United States. Now, he's pushing against the powers, and those powers push back, and it eventually costs him his life. You've got another great example, and if there's one book that I would encourage people to buy over Christmas time, it's a bit of a classic, it's called Costly Discipleship, Costly Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's a Lutheran minister. He has gone over to the, to the US for a year um, to, uh, to serve over there. He returns to Germany, his birthland, uh, or is it Poland? And he uh, actually, in that particular place there, um, Nazi Germany is starting to really flex its muscle and he with a number of other ministers start to form what he calls the confessing church um, now it's in that space that he starts to work for the resistance um, and he starts to smuggle out uh, Jews from, from Nazi Germany and eventually that catches up to him um, he's put in jail and he writes these amazing letters from jail about the cost of being a disciple of Jesus uh, eventually cost him his life. He's actually hung 
He's executed in 1945, just a few months before um, Germany. The, the back's been already been broken, but um, uh, the forces that liberate um, and uh, have sweep into to Germany before they, uh, they implode. And, and so we have an example here of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He takes that road and he sees that he needs to work and the forces push back against him. Um, but there's probably more of a, a just a more... Uh, uh, a particular one that I think is of, of real value to talk about too. That's got to do with someone in, in our Baptist movement, yeah, Baptist this is, World Day. This is a more modern, like, a modern like in, in uh, recent years. Yep, more yeah, present yeah. one. And and so we've got here um, a, a guy who's worked with Baptist World Aid, and he's working with supply chains for clothing. Mm. And I heard him tell me this story, and it was just. Um, a, a a few years ago, that he started to see the uh, supply chain and start to ask the question of clothing manufacturing and clothing companies um, of what should we do to clean up the supply chain? Because in some places, um, downstream, you've got all these sweatshops that are producing the clothing that we mm. wear. And so he went and put a grading system up, did the hard yards of knowing what was going on and sourcing the supply chain and sort of actually understanding it. And he put together this grading code. It was like a school report card. It was a report card. It's like an ethical code. You can go online, go to Baptist World Aid or TIA, and they have it there. And so if you want to shop ethically, you can can do this. And so what he did was he started to ask the CEO of Cotton On because he realized Cotton On wasn't a good example. It was a fail, big fail. And so he started to say, can I catch up with you and talk? Well, call, 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 never eventuated to anything. He said, I've got to change tact here. What am I going to do? And so what he did was he actually got postcards out and distributed them to people. And I think it was something like 24,000 postcards arrived to Cotton On, the CEO of Cotton On, um, over a particular week. Eventually, uh, that, that hit a tipping point and the CEO got on the phone and said, let's talk. And as a result of that and that conversation, they began to slowly turn things around. Now, if you go to Cotton On's website, I checked it out this week, they actually quote this guy or Baptist World Aid and the ethical code as being something that they're really proud about and something that they've got a good supply chain um, and because things have been turned around and they actually promote that on their website as something that they've actually bought into. And I think that's a great example of someone who has said, what's my voice? How am I going to get some effective change happening? Um, and knocking on doors that the doors aren't opening, what will I do that actually got them over the line? Mm. Brilliant. Mm. So some examples uh, of that. And, and I think even for myself over the years, this has sometimes backfired for me when I've tried to step into that space. I remember some years ago, I was parked in a car park, a um, car next to me rolled up and another car came and it was either boyfriend, girlfriend or husband and wife. And they met and you could tell it was really volatile. Um, they got into the, to one car and there was you know, loud words, lots of shouting. And I remember sitting there going, what do I do? Do I just back out and drive away? And I felt, no, I, I need to hang around just in case uh, it gets um, a little violent. And I wanted to make sure that uh, the, the lady was okay. And so I remember just sitting there and listening and waiting. I remember I turned and looked across and at that moment she turned and saw me in the car next door and she turned on me. She said, what are you looking at? And I remember at the time going, I'm looking at this situation and I'm hanging around because I want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was in that moment I went, yeah, okay, all right, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll back away and, and, and drive off. But over the years, sometimes you'll give to something, so an act of mercy, and you realise, yeah, I think it probably got ripped off, but... I wanted to be in that habit of acting and engaging, not just on the sidelines, but where I can for seeing, for acting for mercy 
and, and seeking of justice. Getting involved rather than just spectating the world. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. In fact, um, you know, just a, a few weeks ago, there was uh, someone from here I had a conversation with and uh, she works in a cafe mm. and she said, as a result of listening to one of the stories that you told, um, there was a, a lady who came into our cafe and everyone else in the cafe that we worked there said, oh, look, she's just a druggie, leave her alone, you know, don't... And she said, no, 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 I'm gonna... she served her and the lady then, she ate heaps of food um, and uh, this girl was saying, I don't think she's going to be able to pay for this. What am I going to do? She'd already determined in her head then that she would pay for this lady. And then when it came time for the, the meal to finish, um, the lady started looking for a $50, which she couldn't find. She said it got really embarrassing. She kept on saying, I can pay for it, I can pay for it, I can't find my money. In the end, she walks her up to the counter. She says, I'm paying for this. Um, she gives her a hug <laughs> and sends her on her way. And all because she decided, uh, upon listening to some of the things we've been talking about, and saying, I'm not going to be a spectator. And afterwards she said, you know, I probably would have liked her to have said thank you, uh, but she never did. And I think that's the, the thing we also need to be aware of, is that we're not doing it to get any uh, kickbacks. We're mm. not doing it to get any pats on our backs. Mm. We're doing it because we want to act for mercy or justice, come what may. Mm. Um, because we think it's a God thing. Mm. And so that's why we step into it. Um, in this space, though, there's probably one reminder mm. that uh, the Bible gives us is that there's one no-no when it comes to acting for mercy and justice. Absolutely, because it's really easy to sort of get... Some of these injustices are pretty significant and you can get sort of caught in them. So what's yep. the no-no? Uh, so the no-no is simply this. Uh, it goes on and says... Um, I'm going to skip one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and don't curse them. Sorry, I'm going to jump back one because it's Jesus' words here. I got, I got the order confused. So Joel, if you could throw this up for us, that'd be great. Mm. I'm setting you out like sheep surrounded by wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent and, as doves. These are Jesus' words. And so as he's about to send his disciples out, he says, I want you to be shrewd. Now shrewd uh, is like wise, wise as snakes. Snakes were often considered to be wise mm. creatures in our society it's in the, they're snakes scary evil, creatures but, but they're yeah. wise creatures back <laughs> yeah. there so i want you to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves and and i think that's a really great posture be wise mm. uh, but be peaceful mm. doves at mm. the same time balance those two it's a it's a hand, like two things you've got to hold in tension <laughs> the, the snakes and doves it's yeah, a bit weird. Yeah, yeah 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 it's good so um, so the no-no, can we unpack that a bit more? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, the, the point for us is actually we've got to actually learn to, to know what our voice is mm. and to, to, to raise our voice, getting back to the theme of the series, to raise our voice, we've got to know our voice. Mm. And therefore, as knowing our voice, we've got to step into that. Mm. And so that's a critical thing for us to discern. When do I be shrewd? When do I be like a dove? When do I be like a serpent? Balance those two things. But to, to raise a voice, you've got to know your voice. Yeah, that's good. Um, the the uh, if we want to just jump to the next uh, one up here, Joel. Thanks. Cool. So you said sort of bless those who persecute you, bless them, don't curse them. I reckon it can be really easy to sort of react and be sort of overreacting and kind yeah. of get get angry yep. at, at times. One of the really important things here is that there's there's a line of demarcation that says, don't you become now the darkness that you're standing against. Mm. And so when Paul writes these words, he's speaking to a group of people that it'd be very easy to say, you know, we've learnt to repay evil with evil, but I want you to repay evil with good. And that's really tricky in a world that's often caught up with all kinds of evils 
and powers and forces. But the reality is, is that when you push against the powers, the powers will push back against you and they want to protect their territory. So if you want to change something, it requires you to get someone's nose at a joint somewhere sometime. How you do it is really important. So the passage goes on and says this. Um, it says, Never repay evil for evil. Think through what will seem good to everyone who is watching. And then it goes on and says, If it's possible, as far as you can, live at peace with all people. And then it goes on, Don't take revenge, my dear people, but allow for God's anger. And um, I think that's a really important thing for us to actually be aware of, is that there's moments there when we realise and we've seen this with the Afghanistan conflict and our troops over, is that uh, when you have power and you have um, lack of accountability over time, is that you and I will become corrupted. Mm. It's very easy to become corrupted. And so, very clearly, it says the way in which is a Jesus way is even giving your life as a ransom for other people, actually giving your life rather than. Now, I know that raises a whole bunch of other questions to do with just wars and things like that, but just to sit in that moment and say, actually, I've got to be someone who doesn't actually perpetuate the same evil that I'm standing against. Mm. Yeah. You've said in there... Dark forces, darkness, powers. Do you want to unpack? What are you meaning by all this? In the ancient world, they had this this understanding that through the the leaders often, and it could be leaders of systems, leaders of countries, that they weren't just acting independently. When evil had become um, systemic, when people are being enslaved in repeating cycles of evil, that they believed that it wasn't just them acting; that there was powers and forces. So, so the devil, the Satan. And his dark powers were actually colluding in and through those people. Now, it's too easy to say, you're the baddie, you're of the devil. Um, We have to be really careful about that. But they believed that behind those powers were another set of powers. Mm. And so that's why this passage becomes critical. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil. And and I think there's this understanding that there is uh, a power behind the power. And I think it goes on and says this. See, the warfare we're engaged in, you see, isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the leaders, against the authorities, against the powers that rule the world in this dark age, against the wicked spiritual elements in the heavenly places. Mm. So Paul had this understanding that behind the powers were another set of powers. Mm. So for me, that means when I go into situations when I'm acting for things of injustice and and starting to be... Practically. Practically, I pray. And I say, God, could you help me in this to know if there's other things behind that I'm not seeing? Mm. And so I just ask for your protection in those places. Um, Of course, this is where it ties back into the whole way of life and immerse again, is because what can mitigate against us falling into and colluding with those same powers is staying close to Jesus. Mm. You have this classic example where um, Jesus and his disciples are trying to get food from the Samaritans and they don't allow them to have food and shelter. And so James and John's reaction is to say, let's nuke him. Mm. (laughs) Let's call down fire from heaven. And Jesus looks at them and says, I don't know what spirit you're of. Mm. Um, and so how easy it us in our humanness mm. to, to want to repay evil for evil. Mm. And I think the way of Jesus, and that's why it brings this back into this, this whole way of life, is that I need to routinely rest and immerse in Jesus because he, he shapes, shapes my thinking, he shapes my heart. I need to be filled up with his love so that I can pour his mm. life And out. so those, those four things of the way of life, they're, they're not sort of... 
exclusive to each other. It's almost like you can't pick and say, I'm, I'm an immersing person. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. they're, they're so intertwined and, and interrelated. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's why we selected the ones that we did is because we felt that that only represented what the kingdom of God was about, Jesus, what he was bringing to earth and how I can live it, but how they integrate with one another. Mm. And if we adopt this as a, as a pattern, and that's the challenge I want to give to to, to to people who are listening for NCR, mm. is that you would take this up again mm. and that you would do an audit. I'm going to do the same thing again mm. and to say, God, what does it look like for me to take this to another level? Mm. And, and within that then, that we might together be able to hold each other accountable in mm. our groups together. Mm. We might be able to talk about this from mm. the front. Mm. And so we know what we're on about because that's the way that we think reflects the mm. way of Jesus.